Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. What's up, fungal associates? Welcome to Completely Arbitrary, the podcast about trees and other related topics. I am one of your hosts. My name is Alex Croson, and may I please say, Kiora. What? What does that mean? <laughs> to Casey Clapp, our other host. Oh, is that like a hello in a language I'm unfamiliar with? Casey, it is. Wow. Uh, last, if you recall, last week. We uh-huh. made we made a bit of a cultural gaffe, oh. a, a faux pas, if you will, uh, nah. by by saying good day when we are in New Zealand, not Australia. Oh, I so see. I, I did a I did a little bit of googling here, and okay. there there is a greeting. It says it's uh, Kiora. Kiora. Now this, yeah, this is actually two words: Kia, like the car company, space O R A. Kia, like the car company. Okay. Uh huh. Kiora. Okay. Kiora. But they, but they kind of shorten it into Kiora. Like one, like it sounds like one word. Ah, um, uh, yeah. All right. Kind of like good and day. Good day. Good, good day. day. Exa- exactly, Casey. Uh, now, not to is, not to bring this back to a completely different thing. I'm just saying it's a, there's a it's an unmistakable parallel. Yeah. Careful there. Um, I would say actually a, a stronger parallel is uh, the Hawaiian word. Aloha. Ah. Because this can mean hello, goodbye, be well, be healthy. Mm, Um, It's kind of one of those. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Cheers, good morning, good luck, take care. A bunch of, a bunch of, it's kind of a catch-all phrase. Now, here's a question I have. Yes. This is going to come off a little, a little insensitive. But if you're in New Zealand, do you say you're down over as opposed to in Australia, you're down under? (laughs) <laughs> is this down under and to the right <laughs> uh, I hope that that is the case I hope it was like yeah come on down over <laughs> what? what does that mean very good Casey oh um, uh, well hi Casey hello Alex there is some interesting things we have to tell everyone today yes 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 well let's get the first one out of the way which is that this is sort of untreaded water mm-hmm, um mm-hmm an unparalleled event you and i are recording remote today that is right i am over here you you're over there i'm down over we're not in the same room you're down in portland in portland i really am down over from you (laughs) yeah that is true actually i think you're you're technically up over 
down. No, I guess, uh, yeah. Well, it I'm, depends on which way you're going. I always navigate by the river. Okay. The reason we are recording uh, remote is because there is a vicious ice event happening in Portland. Yes. Now, I have to say, Alex. Could be worse, I guess. I've been paying very close attention to the weather outside, i.e. Yeah. looking out my window. Sure. There's not. A, there's. There's no. There's nothing out there. I now, can. I could definitely get over to your house right now <laughs> and back. They, the weather service has been like at uh, 10 a.m. Get inside. Close all your doors. That's the problem. They keep. They keep telling us. It's. This is how they keep us docile, Casey, by, oh. by striking fear into our hearts. Nary a drop of ice or rain or snow today. Um, but I. I said, uh, let's record remote. Uh, because I was afraid of, True. honestly, afraid of you, of us getting snowed in together in a shining situation happening. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's a yeah. good point. I'm glad that we avoided that. Where I but go it, looking for you in my apartment and you turn the corner with an axe in your hand and mm-hmm. bury it in my chest. Oh, I wouldn't bury it in your chest. I would go down through the clavicle. Okay. <laughs> it would be a downward thrust, Alex. <laughs> I think I would go up. Like Gregor uh, Clegane through really? your through your gorget. Ah, okay, thank you. I appreciate that. Really, if do. you that if you happen me... to be wearing a gorget, as I do always. I mean, <laughs> it's how I ride my bike for safety. Um, Casey, uh, there is another big piece of news before we get into this week's tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Today was a deadline of sorts. Technically, yesterday. Wow, and that deadline was for. It was for the first draft materials. Not everything, but a first bunch of sections for my trade identification guide that'll be coming at you in like two years sometime. That's that's right. Yes, thanks, Alex. That was very sweet of you. (laughs) I like setting you up like that. Um, (laughs) Yeah, you turned in. What what exactly did all did you turn in today? All right. So to your publisher. Well, to my publisher. Shout out Mountaineers, Emily. You're. Yeah, so far a delight to work with, but mm. I have yet to hear uh, some uh, some feedback. You know, this is obviously turning this stuff. So, uh, you know what? Depending on how on how it goes, I might be like Emily, you're my worst enemy. Mm. But I'm very. I'm just kidding. She's she's gonna be great. Emily, more like enemy, right, Case? So, what did you turn in today, Case? I was, there you go. At the end of it, everyone will get a copy of a fantastic book that you can buy. What we turned in yesterday is a rough draft of all the first introductory material. So the Mm. way this guide is going to work, and everyone out there listening, please take notes and send me any requests that you have. Wow. The book is going to cover the first section. is just going to be how to identify trees. So if you're Mm. out there thinking to yourself, man, I really want to identify trees, but I just don't know where to start. This will be your introduction. It'll say, here is how to identify a tree. Here's what a tree is. Here's how we talk about species. Here's what all these little terms mean. And here's what to look for. And I introduced this idea that I'm very excited about. It's called the stepwise journey. Have we talked about this before, Alex? Um, on the podcast, I don't yeah. know. I know we've talked about it in person, yeah. but we don't okay. usually record our hangouts. That's true. Well, this will be the exception. What this is, is it's my kind of like internal conception of how to 
um, how to identify a plant or a tree mm-hmm. specifically. And essentially, I'm trying to keep everyone, uh, like I, I know a lot of ID guides, they just kind of start and they say, yeah, here's here's the parts of the tree, go look at them. And then they go through all these profiles where they have like individual trees. And so what I've tried to do in this whole introductory section, introductory section that I turned mm-hmm. in is essentially say, here are all the things that you need to know. So here's the, the, the individual descriptions and me pointing out all these different parts and pieces and what the front of the leaf looks like, the top of the leaf. Here's what a twig looks like. Here's all the, here's all the anatomy that you need to know. But then I go into a, a bit of a, a spiritual guide section where I'm wow. like, here's how you actually put all these into practice. You're not just, I'm not just going to throw everything at you and say, learn all these terms and then go out and apply them. Um, I don't want people to pick up this book and just look at the tree in front of them and look at the book and look at the tree in front of them and, and just guess, you know? Sure. I want them to, uh, the entire beginning section is to teach you how to actually go about looking at a tree, what to look for, how to, or what to start with. Uh, that way you can start to learn and build your skill rather than just, um, here's the information, go deal with it. You could do that on a Google search. What I'm trying to do in this uh, whole beginning is to tell you, here's how you uh, specifically go through stepwise processes to get you from looking at a tree, reading these abstract information uh, profiles, and then put those together and be able to navigate everything. So I'm kind of, uh, my idea is essentially teaching you how to fish rather than giving you the fish. That's That's what I'm going for. That's great, Casey. Yeah, you're not teaching how to identify a tree. Yes. You're teaching how to identify trees. Precisely. You're kind and of doing both, though. I'm doing both, yeah. So the, the, the next kind of section is all these profiles, and I'll be covering about, um, let's say I'll be, I'll be mentioning, I will type the words of about 279 species. Woo! Yeah, it's a lot. Um, but only about 100 and maybe 180 of those are going to have like full spreads where you get like a whole page. It's everything about that tree pictures and everything. And then there's going to be kind of a smaller thread section that maybe on two pages, I'll cover five trees where I'll say, Hey, and there's also these like very much less common, but you might run into them other trees, A, B, C, D, E, and like a quick picture of their leaves just so you can kind of tell them apart. And then I will have trees that I just mentioned to say, you might also find this tree just keep just keep that in mind. And that's it. Yeah, Casey, I have one question. Will there be a centerfold? Oh, you know, I don't think so, but I I, I kind of <laughs> now I kinda of want one to happen. I That'd be so think, great. You just I flip think it you over. You should think about it. Mm, that's a good idea. Maybe mm-hmm. I can find a find a way to make a the worst kind of centerfold where you're like, oh, it's gonna be re- Oh, it's just a graph of comparative species traits of the Catalpas. <laughs> hubba <It's> hubba. <laughs> I also think in the introduction you should have um, your kind of lead, your kind of bolded line, your call to action at the end should say, mm. with these with these techniques, we I'll take you all the way from Alex Croson to Casey Clapp. <laughs> and then get so many people being like, who the fuck is <laughs> <laughs> those people have no idea that this book comes from a, a guy that does a podcast <laughs> <laughs> well casey here today on this podcast we are talking about a very cool tree 
Yes, we are. Uh, I actually did a, a tiny, I won't say research, I'll say mm. search on this Just tree. Search. <laughs> uh-huh. I did not research. Okay. Uh, this is the Rimu, a tree mm-hmm. that I have never, ever once in my life heard of. Really? Mm-hmm. Which after three years is, is saying something, Casey. Well, yeah, there are a lot of trees out there, so I'm actually not surprised. This is also a tree that's almost as far away from our literal physical location as as a tree could possibly get. Yeah, if we were to carve through the middle of the earth, we might mm-hmm. find this tree on the other side. Exactly, exactly. Uh, and Casey, the Rimu is, of course, a podocarp. It is in the podocarpaceae. That's right, Alex. It's in that family. And we have a lot to say about it, but Casey, we got to take a break. We'll be right back with Completely Arbitrary. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary. Today, we continue our New Zealand journey, our podocarp journey, Casey. Yes. With the Rimu. And this is, I'm going to give us, I'm going to take a shot at this um, scientific name. You got this, Alex. Decritium cupressinum. That's perfect. Yeah, that's it. That's excellent. Well done. All right. Thank you. Yeah. I edited out the 30-second silence right before I said that. (laughs) It's like me taking a very slow drink of coffee, sipping, just doing the... This is like, uh, to continue with the basketball metaphor, this is like if I went for a three-pointer and I said said to the guards, stand back, stand back. And I just like took my time like I was doing a free throw. Yes. Hey, thank you for continuing the metaphor. It's very, it's visceral. <laughs> yeah, Casey. We are talking about the Rimu, Decritium Capressinum. Now, you're familiar with Capressus, right? The uh, the famous cypress trees? Yeah, Capressinum, though. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What is that all about? That means that it has cypress-like leaves is what okay. it means. Now, what's fun about this is that those cypress, like, uh, like that, that term is generic. So it, it just means it looks like some cypress, even though the funny thing is like cypresses actually really don't look like this. Like Hmm. imagine all the cypresses that you've ever seen. Done. Uh, you can count the four of them. <laughs> I think I can count four too. I haven't seen very many. Uh, well, I guess depending on how you lump or split the California okay, ones. Anyway, move, go, moving on. Anyway. So <laughs> basically, it's a it's just a general kind of like yeah, it looks kind of like a cypress. 
Sure. But at the time, I think when they named it, cypresses were still lumped together like in a huge conglomeration of what oh. we now call many different genre or species, you know? Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think, in fact, uh, the cypress family has either the most or the second most um, f- trees in it. So it's kind of like there's... Is certainly the most monotypic genre, meaning just one species in a given genus. Mm. So nobody knows exactly which one they are talking about. However, Decritium capressinum is the type species for that genus. So in order to be a Decritium, it must be a Decritium. It has to look just like this one. And Casey, what does Decritium mean? You know, I don't know, Alex. That's okay. a very good question. Yeah, I don't hmm. actually have any idea. I didn't look it up, and I have not seen anything that tells me what that means. Wow. it's It kind of sounds like a rare mineral. Like, you go to, like, an alien planet. Yeah. The whole city is run on Decritium. Yeah, right? It totally does. I love that. Um, oh, here it is. Okay, so Decritium derives from the Greek word for a tear. Uh, and it refers to the resinous exudations from the wood. So if you like rip it, then it'll weep out this kind of stuff. But it also might refer to the weeping habit of the branch itself. Casey, could we maybe could we maybe say that that means t- tear? Not yes, tear? I was just about oh, to say okay. exactly I'm, that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay, interesting case. I love it. Yeah. I love a, I love a little I love a little etymology in the morning. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I didn't think to even look that up, Alex. This is why I depend on you. I just want you oh. to know that. Well, come on. Casey, in terms of names, I'm also seeing that this thing is called the red pine. Yes. Now, this is another uh, another species name, but this is another situation where um, the people of New Zealand have really embraced their um, Maori culture, which was mm. the people who lived there since, um, I think, archaeology has shown about 1280. So they've been there for just about a thousand years Um Initially, these are Polynesian peoples who've come from other islands um, off in the the Great Pacific and then ended up coming to New Zealand. Yeah. So this this is one of those trees that they came up with their own name. It's actually based on names from other species of trees in the kind of uh, larger Polynesian language from other places. Okay. And then uh, the Europeans that came and then colonized on top of that and then took over the land um, as we know it today and call it New Zealand. When they got there, they, as Europeans are wont to do, can only really think uh, of the trees that they already know. Sure. So they know pines, they know spruces, they know that kind of thing. So, of course, they ended up naming this tree the red pine. When the wood itself is a reddish color, just like a lot of... Um, a lot of different trees and a lot of different families that have nothing to do with pines. Sure. So because it looked a little bit like a conifer, they said, nah, it's a red pine, whatever. So okay. the uh, Maori name is Rimu, and so they've ended up uh, switching over to that, and now that is, in fact, the more common use. The The red pine has entirely dropped off of uh, the like common vernacular, which is pretty cool. Interesting. Yeah. Um, well, K- Casey, I, I, speaking of being thrown off our game, I forgot to say, let's imagine as we do every episode. <laughs> you did. Oh, my God. That you and I are walking through a New Zealand forest and we come across some of these Rimu. Casey, let's ID this tree. Well, 
That sounds great, Alex. Now, the first thing you'll notice is that its leaves look just like a cypress. <laughs> I disagree. <laughs> oh, thank God, Alex. You're getting good. You know that? You are getting good. Yeah, yes. they look they look uh they look a lot like our last tree. What was that? Um Yes, blah, 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 blah. uh our Tatara, our cousin yes. Totara. Yes, yes. Yeah, so this is um a tree. They're they're not like wildly close related. They are in the same family, so imagine it being something like a spruce and a hemlock hanging out together. Um, so they are close related in the same family, but they're not uh, in the same genus. Uh, the Rimu is a big forest tree. It grows to about 150 feet, about 45 meters or so. Wow. But I have I have read, Alex, that it historically used to grow above 200 feet, 60 meters. Like it would be a Damn. huge tree. And easily grows um, a meter and a half or two meters in diameter. So about six feet, you can find it. Um, wow. Today, certainly there's a few, but historically it used to be all over the place because mm. this is one of the more common species of conifers in New Zealand. If you go to the North Island, it's native to the entire island. In the South Island, it's mostly native um, around the outside edges, more or less. Interesting. Um, so it kind of looks like its habitat rings the Southern Island. Interesting. And... It is probably one of the only conifers that you'll see very commonly planted in neighborhoods and streets and along mm. kind of and along the, uh, the the roads. Like it's a it's a kind of common tree, like our Douglas fir is here, mm-hmm. where it's a forest tree for sure, but it's also a tree that you find pretty easily in uh, you know just grown in your backyard, grown right over there. It just kind of yeah. pops up. I get that vibe. I mean, I think especially because of the weeping form factor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, like, oh, you know that thing is popular in suburbs. Yeah, but honestly, and that form is just such a funny thing to me because it. So, for those of you who are not familiar, it has a very weeping habit. It actually looks a lot. Speaking of conifer wonderland, like the Brewer spruce or the weeping spruce that we have yes. in, in the Siskiyous here in Southern Oregon, mm-hmm. which we covered on our episode. Conifer spruce. Oh, excuse me. Yeah. Oh, well, I think it's the same thing, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's so it's this tree that looks like a weeping cypress or a weeping kind of cryptomeria style conifer with these big pendulous twigs that hang down, while the rest of the tree itself grows up and grows really big and large, right? Yeah. Because it's a giant tree. Um, it's a forest tree, like I said, that has, uh, it's one of those emergent canopy trees, very similar to the Totara, where its whole top of its canopy will grow head and shoulders above all the rest mm. of the forest around it, which is mostly made up of southern beach nothophagus so this tree um again we noted it's very large it ends up growing not with just a single stem over time it will you know it'll maintain it but it tends to have a pyramidal shape when it's young and then as it gets older uh which is similar to a lot of trees it'll get older and kind of grow branches out and up to the side. So it becomes kind of um, a curved or more flat topped tree as it gets older with multiple kind of main stems, scaffold limbs. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's got sort of a, uh, what am I thinking of case? Like a Sahara. um, Yeah. What what like a uh, total tortalis? What is that? Uh, oh, you're thinking tortalis um, vicella, our yes. um, umbrella um, thorn. Yes, yeah, Maybe? yeah. It kind of does. Yeah, 
I can yeah, see like these, that. Like a waiter holding plates, sort of, we've yeah, talked about. Yeah, 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 yeah. One big branch coming up and coming out. So these big branchlets, they're very pendulous. They hang down and they're covered with two different kinds of foliage. One is the juvenile foliage, which comes on when the plants are, are fairly young, smallish kind of plants. Mm-hmm. And they have these overlapping and arcing kind of foliage or kind of kind of leaves that come out. And the reason why I noted that it looks similar to a um, cryptomeria is that it looks like a cryptomeria is all like leaves. Now, you'll remember we've talked about the cryptomeria and it's all like leaves as compared to scale-like or compared to needle-like leaves. Yeah, sure. So an awl is essentially like a, a kind of pick. It's almost like an ice pick kind of thing. And it really is a definitive kind of middle ground between these two leaf types where the base of the needle, the base of the leaf is oppressed, but then it pops its middle section up and it points itself. And it looks like a needle that kind of, as you go down, flattens and then oppresses itself widely against the twig. Mm. It, so it kind of looks like um, like a scale that kind of becomes a needle halfway through. Does that make Interesting. sense? Interesting. Yeah, totally. I, yeah? I, okay. I, I, get what you're, I get what you're saying there. Nice. It's one of those things that whenever I would learn about awls, when they say, yeah, it's all shaped, everyone collectively was like, well, what the hell is an awl? Yeah, can we? I mean, <laughs> I <laughs> yeah, I, I, I got curious. I had to <laughs> Google it. It's like a tu- it's like a woodworking tool. Um, yeah, or a leather or, or leatherworking um, that you would use to like pierce to make a little hole. So it, it looks like a. I mean, it looks like one of these needles. Yeah, um, yeah, it, it really does. It's just it happens to be one of those things that like you describe it as something that just doesn't really exist anymore, you know? <laughs> that 99% of people have no idea what it is. Yeah. Oh, it, it's a yeah. Pulaski-shaped needle. I see, I see. <laughs> Furiously Googling Pulaski. Um, uh, yeah, the yeah. good-looking foliage case. It really is. Now, they're very small, these needles. They're not very large. So you wouldn't get it confused with the cryptomeria at all because cryptomeria, mm. the needles are about two or three times the size. Oh, wow. Um, but they also, they, they have this, this adult style foliage, which is mm. not quite as, um, it's not quite as intense. It's a little bit more, um, the, I guess it's just not as fat is the only way I can really describe it. Where It, it, it looks like it's sort of dried out a little bit. Um, mm, interesting to, to me, at least like I see this a lot in trees where like, I'm, th- I'm trying to think like spruce, I guess is the first thing that comes to mind uh-huh. where, or like a Douglas fir where the new foliage will be like almost like rubbery and soft and plump. Ah, yes. And totally. then the, of course the, the more aged foliage will be a little harder and, and weathered and, th- and a little th- more, uh, looks like it has less moisture in it or something. Mm, yeah. I think that's, that's fairly accurate. Cause they also, they, to me look a lot like, um, kind of a foliage that if you, if you imagine everything we just described, but then kind of just plump it up a little bit, make the needles a little bit shorter and mm. kind of add a little juice to them. So they kind of look like they just kind of like went and kind of just got inflated a little bit. Oh yeah. That's, that's what these adult needles look like. So they're just much smaller 
and a little bit tighter pressed. They look more scale-like than they look needle-like, and they just look a little bit more succulent, a little bit larger. <laughs> These poor, the poor little things. Succulent. Yeah, you like you like the term. I love the term succulent. I don't. I don't love hearing you I, say that word. Oh, gotcha. Well, you little, know, the, it's a little intimate. Oh, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let me put on my uh, the the best ASMR right. I could ever ever do. It's a little. Please. It's a little. Are, okay. Are very succulent. Whew. Getting a little warm over here. Are you getting? Moist? <laughs> oh my God, no! Oh, I just—I see you have a humidifier. So that's why he's asking. Sorry, yeah, I, I realized that was out of context. It, it might be the uh, the heating pad I'm sitting on because it's such a oh. fucking cold day. Wow, um, Casey, I would love to talk about the. Uh, I would love to move on from the foliage. <sighs> Fine, and and talk about. A cones, and Ooh, I, I kind I, of I stumbled know, yeah. over. You know, I heard it. I heard it. Well, I will say that in order to not talk about the foliage, mm-hmm. we can't talk about the cones. Uh, what? Sorry, Alex. It's just the way it goes. What do you mean because, by that? As it turns out, this being in the Podocarpaceae, the cone doesn't really truly exist the way it it does in all the rest of the cones that we've ever imagined. In fact, my favorite um, website for these kinds of things, which is the Gymnosperm Database, highly recommend. Of course. It describes not a cone in terms of the, the female part, the part that produces the seed. They say the pollen cones look like this. Mm. But then they say the ovule, the ovules are Uh, solitary. uh, So this being in that same uh, category of plants in the Podocarpaceae, they have essentially reduced their normal combs down to sometimes not even a single scale, sometimes just what used to be a scale, which is now called an epimadium or epimatium. I can't really find a good way to pronounce this. I can tell you exactly what it is, but gosh dang it, nobody has taught me how to say this word. It's E-P-I-M-A-T-I-U-M. Okay. And what is that? So this is a specialized, uh, as the term that I found in the Dictionary of Botanary, ovuliferous scale. Ooh. Isn't that a great term? I love now, it so much. Now spell that one. <laughs> Ooh, it's spelled O V slower. L. No, <laughs> it's a. It is essentially a cone scale. Oh, God, um, that is so small that it really is just big enough to hold the individual ovule. Yeah. That individual ovule is then kind of set on that scale and that scale then will more or less grow bigger and start to cover over the top of the ovule and it becomes like this outer seed coat in some cases in other cases it grows big and becomes succulent along with other bract like scale leaves underneath it wow that is the case for our tree 
If you're having a hard time following along at home, because, <laughs> because you are maybe maybe you live in uh, North America, maybe you're a Portlander, mm-hmm. and when you hear the word conifer, you, a very specific thing comes to mind. Maybe you're a, a Douglas fir person, or maybe you love maybe you love larches, or you know, mm-hmm. and all these things have cones. And when you say cone, you know what a cone looks like, right? Yeah. And you can conjure one in your mind, or conjure, as we say in the biz. <laughs> we do say it in the, in this in this uh, in this world. We do. Yeah. It, by by this by the biz, I mean arbitrary media LLC. Um, <laughs> so when we say remu cone, or when Casey says, um, what was the word that this is actually called? Uh, the epimedium. I'm just going to ep- go back and forth so that someone, everyone can complain and no one will be happy. Ultimately, it's like a good <laughs> compromise, right? Yes, exactly. No one's satisfied. Um, what I want you to imagine um, is a very small, maybe half inch, unripe strawberry. Ooh, good. With yes. little uh, beetle pincers poking out of the front of it. Ooh. And that is what these Rimu cones look like. Now, I'm seeing okay. online, Casey, that some people call them Rimu berries. Yes, it's just like they would call it juniper berry or mm-hmm. berry, anything A like U-berry. that. A berry, yep. Um, yeah. So this is my, this is, that was my visual description. It does not look like anything that you would call a cone usually, yeah. which well, is why it's not really called a cone. You're spot on, Alex. It's a, it is a, technical receptacle this is essentially the scales and the epimatium becoming red and succulent and then the seed as it matures is just connected to that and you end up getting this red bump with what you said like the this pincer kind of coming out of it that is Mm -hmm. the seed i I just want to say really quickly casey that technical receptacle is my favorite radiohead album (laughs) that is such like that is my favorite one too i'm so glad you brought it up i didn't want to say it because i didn't want anyone to be embarrassed because yes it is it's absolutely is thank you so this is uh the same thing that all the other podocarps do which is essentially convergent evolution on what the broadleaf angiosperms have done which is co-opt your animals around you to disperse your seeds the same way that a fruit disperses the seeds of an angiosperm. And this is a technical fruit with a technical seed inside an ovary, all that. That's an angiosperm. Birds got onto that. Animals got onto that. They're like, oh, sweet. I'm going to eat that. Yum. Delicious. What's this? I don't care. And they poop out the seed. Right. This is the same exact situation, only it's done with completely different parts, with 100% different anatomy, and with with essentially trees that had developed in some form or fashion without this at all. They all had cones in a traditional sense more than, you know, a hundred million years ago when these trees were very first evolving, they came from species mm. that had hard woody cones, just yeah. like your pines. It's crazy. This whole, this whole tree is a technicality, Casey. <laughs> it it's, really it's is. Yeah. Technically a conifer. It's, it's technically te- a what? Gymnosperm. Yeah. It's tech has technically has cones. Those are technically seeds coming out of them. So anyway, don't look any closer to it, people. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Casey, there's one There's one final piece of the puzzle here, and I am very deliberate with that language because the bark. 
the bark. What do you think of it? I love it. It's kind of eye-popping, isn't it? I think it's like if Stewardia like went away for a semester and came back with all of this cultural mm, flavor, you know? Wow. You're like, "Wow, Stewardia, you really you really saw the saw the world and it's changed your persona." <laughs> that's the that's kind of what I get from from this bark. Yeah, like it looks like it kind of pops off. It looks very sinewy, but it also kind of is gray, kind of has these long strips. And on, like on the older trees, it looks exactly like that. Like like kind of a grizzled, old, kind of sinewy, muscly Stewardia. But the, the difference, I think, is that in Stewardia, when the, the little puzzle piece parts kind of come off, mm-hmm. they leave maybe a different color underneath Whereas this, it kind of looks like it's more or less the same color. Like it goes from a charcoal gray to a steel gray, almost. Is that what you, you don't, you don't agree? I can see it in your voice. (laughs) From the fact that I'm not talking. (laughs) No, I just think, you know, uh, it, it is hard when we're, we're so far away from these trees that we talk about Mm -hmm. that we don't have like personal experience with them. Um, That's true. To my chagrin. Yeah, we do our research, and then we kind of see different things, right? Um, Well, that is the nature of our entire podcast. Well, that is true. you and I see things differently. That is true. Almost literally sometimes. Yes, and oftentimes I have to remind you that I'm always right. (laughs) Anyway. Oh, Jesus. Um, So that's the Rimu. That is. That's our tree that we're dealing with today, and... And it's just gorgeous. Like it's, it's. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, Alex. I kind of think it's a funny looking tree. I just well, want to share that. Yeah. Like, what, what do you think about it as funny looking? Well, it's mostly that you have a tree that grows big and tall, and I am used to a certain texture for those trees that grow big and tall. Hmm. They, they tend to have even this rounded canopy on top. Um, but they also like the same thing with this one that maintains this pyramidal form when young, but this, the Rimu kind of looks like when it gets really big and old that it has like this, this weird, this weird other texture to it. Like it looks, it looks like a shrub that got huge. Yeah. And I don't know why I can't shake that. I kind of think that with all the a lot of the podocarps, like they just have this this look to me that I'm like, man, you're just such a such a distinctive looking texture that on top of your form writ large, kind of just looks like a a, a different texture than the conifers that you and I are used to up here. Like you said, yeah. How much of that do you think is psychological, Casey? Ooh, definitely psychological. I'm sure, you know, I bet you it's, it's almost a hundred percent because if you were down there and you were looking around, you'd be like, yeah, this is what a tree looks like. And then sure. you come over to here and you'd see a giant Douglas fir or hemlock and you'd be like, what is going on? That's the goofiest yeah. looking tree I've ever seen. Right. So I suppose you're probably right. But one thing about this tree, which I thought was really interesting and is the subject of the second half of our show. Wow. We're moving into the second half, everybody. We're moving into the second half, everyone. Welcome to the second half. Casey loves a seamless transition. I sure do. Which I shouldn't have said anything. I should have just kept going. Dang it. No, I see. I, I'm drawing attention to it, which really oh, ruins it. Oh, I see. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate <laughs> your, your directorial skills here. 
Please continue the second half in three, two, one. Welcome to the second half. So this is a tree that is in a family, the Podocarpaceae, that does the same kind of thing as your angiosperms. And in fact, uh, in a book that I used for this, and I've used for a lot of these trees, A Natural History of Conifers by Alios Farjan, this is, uh, I, we ended up, you and I, we were up at Hoyt Arboretum just the other mm-hmm. day, and we talked with um, a lovely, lovely person by the name of Martin Nicholson. That's right. Yes. So Perhaps we, the only New Zealander that you and I both know? I think that's correct, yeah. Okay. So he is uh, the curator of Hoyt Arboretum, and he is a Kiwi. He's New Zealandish. Or, yes. Yeah, that's the right term. Mm-hmm. He'll appreciate that. Um, he's one of the most like wickedly smart people I know, mm. and he is a fabulous resource. And so we were up there, and we were actually talking with uh, someone else in completely unrelated. We just happened to be um, stopping in for a second, and- he uh, he and I were getting ready for, or you and I, and you and I uh, stopped in and said, hey, yeah, we're going to be doing this the next kind of deep dive on uh, on New Zealand, your trees from where you're from. And we brought up that we we're doing the Rimu, and he's like, oh, boy, do you know that their relationship with this bird is really cool? And I was like, no, what are you talking about? And he looked around real fast because we were getting ready for like this big winter storm that we're kind of dealing with right now. Yeah, yeah. And I remember we almost kind of looked around. He's like, do you guys got 30 seconds? Come on. <laughs> and we, ran, yeah. we ran inside and you, he we, got we, this book out. We looked at, you and I looked at each other and in my eyes I was saying, no. And <laughs> you were saying, come on, we can make it work. Yeah, we had a whole 30 second conversation in a matter of one instant. Yes. To where one, you one, uh, <laughs> just simply shook your head and gave in. Two seconds of eye contact. <laughs> it was great. Yes, yeah, so we we followed Martin into the kind of the the backstage area of Hoyt Arboretum yeah, into the office exactly. there and he showed us this book. Yeah. And in this book he had a photo. And the photo is uh or not the photo, but it was a little like a side. And I believe like I said this is the um the trees of New Zealand, the complete guide. Mm-hmm. And the, this little inset is just called Rimu and Kakapo. So I was like, well, well what is this? So he, uh, we didn't have time to read the whole thing. So I snapped a photo and then um, read it uh, when I got back home. And I was like, oh my God, this is fascinating. Mm. Kept up looking and then not, uh, not a, a little bit down on a quick Google search, our old friend Matt Candace from uh, the wonderful podcast In Defense of Plants also, from 2018, um, talked a little bit about this as well. How about that? So it's uh, it's clearly something that if you are looking at different tree things or looking at plants maybe more broadly, you will certainly have come across. But this is a situation where not only did the, uh, the Rimu figure out that, oh, if I just make my seeds and my cones like this, I will convince animals to do my dirty work for me and spread my seed. It actually took it one step further. Wow. And did something on the level of, um, I don't want to say quite like the wasps and fig trees, but on the level of it made a a deal or has made deals with bird. A bird. I was going to say birds and then I I (laughs) cut myself off. So there you go. Made deal with bird. 
it make deal with bird. <laughs> uh, to basically get its seeds spread, but also this bird, the cockapoo, has got its entire reproductive life organized around this tree. Wow. And it's done it in ways that you will find constantly through a bunch of other little things. Most notably, oak trees. Do you recall our very first oak episode? We talked about mast years. Yes, the Oregon white oak. Tell us a little bit about that, Alex, if about you will. The mast years? Yeah. Oh, and sure. before you do, I'll give you a quick update. It has officially started raining ice outside. Okay. So if uh, if all of our power goes out in 30 seconds, sorry. Uh-huh. That's where <laughs> yeah, the podcast ends today. This episode is just going to end. Um, so, yeah. What was your question? Oh, uh, mast years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Oregon white oaks or and, and many other oaks or all yeah, oaks? Yeah, yeah, or, um, yeah. I um, think it's just a lot of oaks. I don't want to say every okay. oak, but certainly a lot of the East Coast oaks for sure. Well, they're seed delivery devices and acorn, as we all know. Correct. And they grow them every year, but every other year, they grow a lot of them. Yeah. Well, these I, are called, I, hmm? I should correct you. I'm sorry. It's not necessarily every year that they make acorns. Sometimes it's like they make zero. And other times, it, it's wow. not every other year. It could be um, a few years in between. Okay. I mean, I was I was oversimplifying it. But every <gasps> oh, every gotcha. every every year or so often, they will make a ton of acorns, like a surplus, like overstock.com of acorns. <laughs> yeah, and, it's very sensual. <laughs> we call these, when we call these mast years, um, yeah. and we, uh, some scientists... With fucking nothing better to do, you know, maybe take a look at climate change or something. They, they found that, that was so disrespectful, sorry. They found that squirrel populations could be directly linked, like a, like two graphs on top of each other yeah. of, of, uh, of mast years and squirrel populations. Yeah. Meaning that when it was a good year for acorns, it was a good year for squirrels. And when it was not a good year for acorns, it was a very bad year for squirrels. It's exactly right. You, Thank you. You got it like like zero notes, 10 out of 10. Oh, wow. I was expecting one crucial detail as, as usual. Oh, yeah. Well, that's I, I, uh, I, I put that in right at the very beginning. But then afterwards, uh, when the rest of it is just perfect. Well, thank you. Thank you. So that's that's the relationship between the squirrels and the oaks. Yes. And I'm assuming that the cockapoo? Cockapo? Yeah, cockapoo. I've actually heard uh, two different pronunciations. So I'm going to go cockapo or cockapoo, gonna... depending on which I say. Again, we're compromising here. <laughs> I'm going to go with this one or this one, depending on which one I say. I'm going to go cockapoo um, okay. because that's just more fun to say I think it sounds good to me uh, so I'm assuming it has a similar relationship Casey with, with this Rimu tree and this is what I think is so curious this might be one of the only conifers that I can think of or that I've read about that actually has mast years wow it does that same process as the oak tree does that you just described amazing yeah it's one of those uh, one of those things that I can't say for certain, in fact, I think it would be silly if I did, that there are no other conifers that do this, because mm. it's really just something that you'd expect to happen with conifers that have made deals with animals like birds and things to spread their seeds. 
mm-hmm. because there's no other reason. Like if you're just making thousands of seeds that are getting dispersed by wind, you don't really care if a bunch of things are eating it. You're making a surplus every single year of teeny tiny little seeds that have just enough for the seed itself to use. Because generally, like default, your goal is just to make as many seeds every year all the time. Pretty much, yeah. As you, you can. You just want to reproduce, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But in this case, for the Rimu, it will go through these mast years, and it probably ended up developing this because you have animals that would be eating all of its seeds, and it would be like, whoa, we're going to need to like put the brakes on that. And then it just developed this season or this, uh, this kind of on and off kind of cycle so that if all of its seeds get destroyed one year, like you said, these squirrels eat it all, then the next year, all those squirrels die because now there's too many squirrels, not enough food, and now the trees can do it again. Now there's this surplus that happens. Yeah. So in this case, there was actually no mammals that lived on New Zealand. There are a few small marsupials. Wow. What? Yes. They are birds. Everything about New Zealand is birds. Birds on birds on birds on birds. Specifically, the bird we're talking about, the cockapoo, it's the world's largest parrot. It is flightless, and it walks around and climbs up trees. It's pretty great. Can I just describe this bird really fast for anybody who's curious? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so it is a gorgeous, kind of pretty big, chonky bird. It's, it's it is, like it's, a, it's chonky, yeah. It's shaped a bit like a football. Mm-hmm. Um maybe even a little bigger. Um, And it's green and yellow and has some black and white speckles. Uh, And I thought when I first saw it, I thought, hey, that looks like a parrot mixed with an owl. Yeah. And do you know what uh, this this bird is sometimes called, Casey? (laughs) Uh, Please tell me the owl, the New Zealand owl. The owl parrot. Yeah, that's perfect because it's nocturnal. Yes, it's nocturnal. It's a ground dweller. This is technically a bird. Exactly. I think that's perfectly described. So that but, the fact that it would bond so closely with a t- technically a tree makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah, this is all just a technical episode. That's right. Well, um, yes, there are the only native species of mammal to New Zealand prior to people, including the Maori who came over in the middle 1200s. Mm-hmm was some bats and some mm-hmm. marine mammals that don't actually come on land in a significant way. We're talking dolphins, porpoisei. Yes. Now, as soon as the Maori came over, they apparently brought a few animals. Then, of course, the Europeans brought a couple other animals. But at the time, when all of these trees were developing, when the bird, uh, many of the flightless birds that used to exist and some that still do exist... When they were developing, when they were evolving with this tree, there were no other mammals to speak of. It was all birds. This is the thing that is kind of unique about the flora. So in this case, um, our tree uh, and our bird, they grew up together. They started this long process of coevolution where the cockapoo is flightless. And so just like most flightless birds, it actually is really large. So just like the dodo, for instance, it is not a small little thing that's flightless. It's a big honking bird. Yeah. It is nocturnal and it is a vegetarian. So it eats Mm. leaves and it eats seeds and nuts and things like that. However, our bird, our cockapoo, 
is on a reproductive cycle that corresponds precisely with the reproductive cycle of the Rimu tree. Mm. And it does it like this. I'll give you the quick version. So in, let's say, year one, the Rimu will start producing pollen cones. It's dioecious, which yes. means that it produces pollen cones on male trees and it mm -hmm. produces, let's say, quote, seed cones on female trees. Sure. So it, there are different, uh, different trees that do uh, either one of these things. So at the end of a particularly warm summer, the trees will start to produce their cones, the male trees. They'll start to produce their pollen cones. They'll, that pollen over the next year will fertilize the female cones, the female trees, the ovules. Then over the next uh, about 18 or so months, the new fertilized cones will start to mature. As they mature, this bird starts to produce eggs and goes through their reproductive cycle, starts to raise chicks. Two important things. One, the cockapoo is eating a bunch of the seeds and the fruit, these not berry berries of the Rimu yeah. tree. And then it raises its chicks on the same cone. So it essentially starts to eat them, produces all of the calcium and all the stuff that it needs to actually produce the eggs has the eggs, they hatch, then they start to eat the fruit that's also still out there. So it's kind of a, a longer period of time. It's not necessarily that you get this one big flush that, and then they all drop like acorns. Mm -hmm. It kind of happens over a period of, of weeks or months as the birds are uh, start their reproductive cycle, have their babies, and then um, have a glut of food to raise their chicks on before they start to eat other things. Sure. But you'll notice that this is like a multi-year period. It's about three total years, or rather I should say three total summers. The first summer that is a little bit warm, that gets the Rimu to start making the fertilization stuff, the pollen and the ovules. Then it takes a, another summer for it to start the kicking up the process. And then in the third summer is when everything is mature. That's when it actually has the nice ripe red uh, epimadium and the bracts that are underneath it. Those become bright red. They get eaten by the birds and then the birds will walk around and they will drop the seeds elsewhere. And now you've got one nice completed life cycle. Beautiful. Now here's the thing, Alex. I know this sounds really simple. Mm -hmm. But how do the birds know to time everything the correct way? Mm. So there is no clear thing that happens, you know, like in, um, in a lot of ecosystems, you have the seasonality where things get cold and then they start to get warm. The days start to get longer. Animals get ruddy and then they start making babies in the springtime where then you have the entire summer's worth of season for all of the babies to be born and then have food or Perhaps um, this all starts a year prior, so then the uh, female animals will have the will get fertilized, and then will take a whole year for the babies to actually uh, go through the gestation, and then the next spring, 
boom, everything pops out, right? Sure. So you get like this, everything's like timed with the seasons, but that's not a yearly process where every year you can say, hey, well, it looks like it's starting to get warm again. It's time to have some sex. <laughs> you love to see it. You just love to see it. In this case, it's not quite the same. This is actually where you would say, well, it's kind of a warm summer. Looks like it's going to be time to have sex in two years. Ah, interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there are some ideas as to how the birds know this because the time is just so different where the the birds have to predict when the trees are going to make their fruit, which happens two years prior to when the fruit actually pops off and actually yeah. becomes red and delicious. So they are not sure, but they think that because these are uh, vegetarian birds, they might actually be eating little bits of the, the trees themselves. And there are some clues from the hormones within the tree, specifically one called gibberellin. This was going to be my guess, Casey. Oh, was it? Oh, yeah. Wow, it's very good. Thank you. Yeah. That is a. Uh, I mean, as not much that specifically, but the oh, fact that gonna... the, the birds that the fact that the birds uh, eat other parts of the tree and they go, yeah. hmm, something tastes different. I think it's. I'm. I think I'm ready to. F- yeah, know? isn't that kind of a funny thing? I I love the idea of that where they like you. It's a literal aphrodisiac of a tree. Yes, <laughs> you know, totally. Uh, like, I wish I had thought about this because oh we've been trying God. to come up with uh with a bunch of trees to do for a uh, everyone just sit down for a seven deadly stems series. Yes, that's right. <laughs> So we're still going to do it, but if I had thought about it, I would have done this tree because it would have been the perfect aphrodisiac for lust. Mm-hmm, very it, lusty. Exactly. At the in the middle of the 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 dog days of summer, you eat just a little bit of these uh, this fruit, and you're like, oh my god, this this tree is clearly horny. I'm horny. And you look around and then you start making these sounds because you know what hey. the the males make this really low like. Goo. Ooh. Oh Ooh. wow! Okay. Yeah, there's a in our show notes. There's um, a uh, behavior for the cockapoo yes. link that I have, and um, you can kind of navigate through there, and you can hear their calls. I, I wonder. I don't want to get off on on this because I want to hear more about this hormone. But I wonder if that's one of those like air sac things. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, I, think I feel like right. I've seen a lot of animals lately, not just frogs, but like mm. like gorillas have this. They they fill up their chest with air when they pound their chest. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I know with birds do it, they kind of whack their wings against their chest or whatever they're sitting on. So yeah. it kind of does the same thing. So I bet okay. you you're right. Interesting. So yeah, what's well, this hormone all about, Case? Gotcha. Okay, so gibberellin is another one of these hormones that exists in trees, and it does a lot of different things. And it's spelled with a G. Everything else is fairly phonetic. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a it's just another common hormone that has a lot to do with different um, different factors of how the trees grow so you're familiar with oxen there's also ethylene which is another one and uh case casey real quick oh please. I, I i see that this hormone regulates uh stem elongation i'll say <laughs> too bad these birds only have cloakias clo- uh. cloacas <laughs> yeah. too right, bad continue. these birds only have cloacas very good Con- continue <laughs> gross 
yes, so it, it does. It has to do a lot with that, and it kind of um, is another one of those things that's responsible, and we could try to like boil it down, but it's such a complex kind of thing where you can't just say, oh, well, Oxen does this, Gibberillin does that, because they do a thousand different things. Sure. And it's just another one of those um, chemical hormones inside the tree that starts certain processes or is emitted when something happens. So in this case, it is um, in, there's more of it. It starts to be produced when there is uh, kind of this fertility moment in the tree, which could either give the birds the hint that they need, like they can basically taste it and say, ooh, that is a taste that makes my body know it's time to, it's time to go. Yeah. It's kind of like drinking coffee in the morning, you know, like you get up in the morning, you just kind of a little groggy, drink coffee and your body's like, mm, it's time to poop. Sure. Yeah. Just like that. I know. I know. That At least I don't know. Anyone. That happens to me. I know that happens to other people too. So I hope that well, everyone's course. like, hey, yeah, thank you, Casey. Validation. It, it, like- it like stimulates the nerves in your uh, intestines or something. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. it could be that same kind of thing. Interesting. And then that is the whole thing. So the birds will then know when the next things happen. So now the timer starts. Mm. And then they move through and they have their babies. They eat all these seeds. And sometimes they're eating like literally thousands of these a day like five to six thousand individual little berries a day what isn't that crazy how do they have room for all of this do they it does just go straight through them i think so yeah i think they because it's not a whole lot but it has calcium in it and it has Uh a certain vitamin d that is historically only thought to be produced by animals but they've actually found now that some uh some things in the solanaceae family which is the tomato and potato eggplant family Uh that and this species of conifer so it not only has got the bird to do its bidding with moving the seed around, it also has started to develop things that are very specifically good for the bird. And the bird is absolutely entwined with the cycle of this tree to the point where this bird was on the verge of extinction. Because you'll remember last time we talked about the forests of New Zealand a little bit kind of in a broad sense. Mm. And... When the Maori came, they brought with them fire. When the Europeans came, they brought with them fire and stupidity. And they burned by accident or on purpose so much of the land where it went from 80 to 90% of the entire land mass was covered in forest. And now it's maybe about 25% of native forest, I should note specifically. So this bird, its habitat was just completely destroyed Mm. and it went from a very small amount, uh, or rather it went from a normal population of essentially the entire islands or both islands to less than 40 birds in, and they thought it was extinct for a little bit of time. Less than 40 birds. Yes. And now there's like, I think... 240 or 250 some all right so they've been bringing it back but the thing is they had to learn about this life cycle and then they're like oh my gosh well this is very helpful now we know how we can time it and and help bring these birds back now i also just need to make a quick note Mm-hmm. I know I said that Europeans brought stupidity. Everyone has learned now. I'm not calling anyone stupid. I'm just saying Europeans, when they first came and colonized the rest of the world, they just had no idea what they were doing and messed up so much. 
I think, I think that's a bit of an understatement. I think it's okay to say that they brought stupidity. I don't think it's okay, that. Great. I don't think it's that. Uh, uh, it's controversial. Editor- editorialized. <laughs> okay. Um, so Casey, earlier when I made fun of the scientists who figured out the squirrel mastier thing, yes, yeah, I take I take that back <laughs> because clearly that 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 is like the same thing happening here. It's important work. Yes, um, I have seen the light. Well, I'm so happy to hear that, Alex. That really does make my day. Or should I say, I have heard the. Mm, mm. <laughs> Now you're going to go find your way to one of their little nests that they make and just kind of wait there. Yeah, with my with my uh with my telephoto lens. Oh, that sounds so beautiful. They call it a cockapoo bowl. A cockapoo bowl. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's where they it's where the males come. They make their their booming sound is what it's called. And then they also have these uh um uh these kind of higher pitch things they call chings. C H I N G S. Okay. Yeah, so it's kind of like the like a, a, a chimey kind of sound. The cockapoo so. bowl brought to you by Dr. Pepper. <laughs> oh, it's got to be um, such a good one to watch. Why has no one done this? A fascinating tale, Casey, and a, a, a nice sweet one too. I love I love learning about animal tree relations. Yeah, um, and this is it's such a good one, isn't it? Like this is just yeah. this is it's it's like probably one of the more extreme versions of convergent evolution of a conifer following in the footprints of a broadleaf tree of an angiosperm and that that co-evolution that symbiotic relationship it's just so wonderful it's beautiful i'm uh thanks to martin for tipping us off to that that story casey we have to give a rating to this tree and i suggest we also give a rating to this bird (gasps) wow okay but we got to do so after a quick break. We will be right back with Completely Arbitrary. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past. And the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. A new year is a new chance to focus on you. You're probably already picturing yourself struggling at the gym, but not all self-help has to mean suffering. Squeeze.com is making it easier than ever to elevate your wellness by delivering a juice cleanse right to your doorstep. It's the easiest juice cleanse you'll ever do that may aid in weight loss, eliminating bloating, clearing your skin, boosting your energy levels, improving sleep, and breaking bad eating habits. Meet all your health goals from the comfort of your home. Get free same-day local delivery or fast free delivery nationwide with code WONDERY today at squeezed.com. Welcome back. 
to completely arbitrary. That was our discussion on the Rimu and the Cockapoo. I never thought I'd say those words. Uh, Isn't it fun to say though? It is. Cockapoo is is one of my new favorite things to say. Um, I'm so happy to hear that. That's great. I think I'd like to. I th- I think I'd like when you know when the 248th is born. I'm going to go down there and bring it back with me to Portland. I just oh, okay, I want yeah. I want to have this thing. I want to have this thing as a as a like a, in the same way that a pirate would have a parrot on their shoulder. I want to have a cockapoo. I think that would be really cool. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That sounds great. I completely agree with that idea. Thank you. And it's not immoral at all. No, um, no, no. There's plenty to go around, right? <laughs> There's plenty to go around. Yes. Listen, Did if you, you can afford it. There, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There is, uh, uh, according to this, uh, this website, uh, it is, you would literally get the 248th yes. one. Yeah, I'm yep. sure you read that when you saw that. I, I did, Casey. Thank you. Okay. Well, I I didn't know that you had looked it up. <laughs> so I just, <laughs> just I just thought you randomly pulled that number because I said between yeah. 240 and 250. So just by anyway. mental magic. It was um, beautiful. It was really good magic. Thank you, Casey. Uh, Casey, let's give a review to this tree, this Rimu tree. And here's how it works. We're gonna give some final thoughts on it and then give it a rating of zero to ten golden. Bowls of honor. Wow, golden no, for, bowls. I'll say for the tree, we're doing golden. Uh, what was the what? What do they? What do we call these cones again? Uh, they they're uh, just we would ovules. Like they're really no, no. just they're just the that. technical term for them. The um oh oh the the epa epimadium epimadium go ten zero to ten golden epimadium <laughs> of honor, and then uh, for the bird, yeah. we'll give we'll give golden cockapoo bowls of honor. <laughs> Okay, uh, this sounds. This is so complicated. Casey, well, you know, every time we do a theme month, we got to complicate it a little bit. Casey, I guess that is true. Yeah, we got to <laughs> stop doing this. I think. I think I'm just going to stop telling you that there's a theme to whatever I'm coming up with. So that <laughs> <laughs> you only figure it out afterwards. Well, you want to suck the the last remaining joy I have out of this podcast? Thanks. More than anything, Alex. Uh, Casey is our resident expert. We begin with you. All right. Now, before I do, I just need to ask, you have no other joy uh, out of this podcast? That was not true. That was oh just to be, I was being funny. I was trying to impress right. my friends. Wow. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> well, they are impressed. So, okay. All right. So here's the, here's the deal. I did note that this tree's kind of goofy looking, you know, like mm-hmm. I said that and I mean that and I don't mean it in a negative way, as I said, but. It is, it's such a curious kind of tree. And I think like it looks to me like a broadleaf tree. Like I just, I feel like this is a tree that is a broadleaf tree in every way, except that we can't technically call it that because it's not. Sure. I don't know. I think that's why um, ultimately I'm like, this is kind of, why does this tree look so strange? Because it just does not have the conifer-ness that I'm used to as a conifer. Sure. Not saying I'm a conifer. Now now I'm going to try to be a conifer while it tries to be a broadleaf tree. Life is hard, man. Life is hard. (laughs) Casey, (laughs) you will do anything but give your review when it's Uh, your turn. No, that's not true. I just know when I'm on stage, I can say anything I want. (laughs) So I think that the beauty of this tree is is in its, um, I don't know, its kind of ability to to change itself and, and become like, just malleable like it's just basically Mm. said i'm gonna do things differently and i know that there's a lot of different potocarps and a lot of trees in the potocarp family who've also done things their own way 
But this is a tree that seems like it's taken it almost to the next level of even all the other podocarps that I've heard of so far. Okay. They all de- kind of said, yeah, you know, birds, cool, I'm into them, whatever. But this one's like, no, 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 no. I'm into birds. Like, and I want these birds to be into me. So, <laughs> I, yeah, I, this is, is so I, I think, Alex, I think uh, I'm going to go. <laughs> I think I'm going to go with an 8.8 on this tree. Wow. An 8.8 golden, yeah. uh, whatever that word is, of honor. Golden epimatium of honor. Epimatium. Okay. Pretty good Be- case. Yeah. And I think I'm doing that because, A, it's it's one of the biggest trees. It's not the tallest tree in New Zealand. I feel like we should just do that one next because the last time we're like, oh, so this is the largest tree in New Zealand. Not the biggest it's not the cowrie? No, the cowrie is the largest tree. It's not the tallest. Oh, wow. And then the totara is another giant tree, but it's not the biggest. Okay, fair enough. 8.8 golden <laughs> cones of honor. <laughs> Sorry, I had to pull rank. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. I just got my knuckles whipped over. <laughs> <laughs> hurts uh casey great score for a great tree let me tell you i'm really fond of the remu and i'm really i I remu am and well done i think the cockapoo is just a gorgeous little bird Uh, i say little bird it's a chonky big bird yeah they're Um, huge they're just giant trees giant uh, birds oh my god yeah see now the birds trying to become a tree Wow, okay, you can't tell you can't do. tell one from the other now. I really can't. Um, I think they're the cockapoo is so interesting because I feel like if it didn't have a face or hands, it would look like a <laughs> like a big like fruit or something. It's just like this perfectly shaped. Like it's so it's so precious. Um, <laughs> I just want to hold it. I want to like cuddle. It may it may be one of the only birds I've ever looked at and thought like I want to like hold that. Like like a baby, you know? Yeah, um, all right. And just like rub its belly and stuff, or you know, big old bird. But this is not Kilo. my this is not my rating of the bird. This is my rating of the tree. Yes, um, okay. Then we're gonna do the bird after. I I think the remu is really interesting. All these potocarps so far are really interesting. Um, mm. I prefer. I'll just call them cones uh, because I still cannot remember the other animation. Um, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, I prefer these ones to the Totara. Really? I, th- I think these Your look cousin. a little more distinct. Like I can tell kind of what they look like a little bit more. Oh, um, I see. I think they have more character to them. Uh, and the foliage is fine. All like is not my favorite. Um, mm. But I, I think it's kind of curious looking. And, uh, you know, I, I, I look at this tree probably the same way those those uh, Victorian Europeans looked at the monkey puzzle, you know, the pay Ooh, when and, yeah. and we're like, wow, what a, what an, what an oddity, you know, what an oddity. Um, that's kind of how I feel about this tree. Uh, okay. The bark, the bark is gorgeous. I, I, I don't think it's utility bark. It's like utility plus. Mm, um, mm-hmm, no, mm-hmm. you know what? I'll just say it's straight up the middle bark. It's not, it's not utility. I don't want to give mm. it that moniker. Okay. Yeah. It doesn't need that baggage. No, it does not. Uh, I can't put it in the same column with all of those other trees. Exactly. Um, I am going to give this, you know what, Casey, I'm feeling almost totally aligned with you. I'm going to say 8.7 golden cones of honor. 
Okay, at the medium. Thank you. Uh, and for the bird, the cockapoo, I'm yeah, giving this give us thing some a cockapoo. I I think it's gorgeous. I've said my thoughts, but I'll give it I'll give it nine point six uh, bowls of honor. Wow! And that that you when you give this score, you have to do them. Boo, boo. Okay, yeah. Jeez. Uh, okay, that's a lot. Boo, um, boo, boo, boo. I got bad boo, news. Boo. I got bad news. I I'm gonna give it like a seven point five. Did you did you hear my my bowls? I did. It was beautiful. That wasn't why, a bowl. A bowl. Why did you talk through that whole thing? I didn't. I thought I thought you were going <laughs> to be in. I thought you were going to stop. <laughs> I was giving it nine point six bowls. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> what the fuck? And a bowl I, is where it lives. I thought you I, said the bowl was the sound it makes. No, that's a boom. Oh, it my makes a boom in God. a. Uh, and the the um, the ching, but it also it it uh, it has a bowl. It's called um, lek. Oh gosh, Alex! Now you're gonna make me go back. I already switched to a different page. No, we're moving on. Uh, oh, well, so we'll just say the booms. I I, I, <laughs> I miss I miss I miss I I missed some key details there, Casey. How many um how many booms are you given the cockapoo? All uh, right. How many am I gonna do? I I gave I I'm sorry you didn't hear because I I talked over you rudely. What well, I gave seven point five. 7.5 booms. The reason I gave seven point five booms is that I. I do like the bird. I think it's a funny looking little cutie, mm-hmm. but my issue is it's just, it's just like, it's, I just, it just is kind of ugly. Like it's, it's, it specifically has feathers that are modeled. So it looks very difficult. Like it's, it's very hard to see if it's camouflage and just not moving, but it's just like it's just it kind of looks almost like a beaver with wings. <laughs> it totally does. <laughs> like that's that's what I see. Yeah. So I can't. I okay. just can't. I just can't not see that. You, you say ugly. I say full of character. Yes, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. This is this is why we're never going to buy a house together. It's like a it's like a James Gandolfini. Like not traditionally <laughs> handsome, but there's something about him. Okay, yeah, there you go. That's fine with me. Yeah, I think I think we're good with that. So seven point five. So it's gonna be okay. Ooh, 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 ooh. There you go. I think I got that pretty good. I think that was great. I think maybe you're blowing out your mic, but that's okay. Oh God! It just now it, everyone, that's gonna be bad. It just shows how seriously you're taking this, Casey. That was our review of the Remu and the Cockapoo. Oh, what a good one. Tale as old as time. It's time for our completely arbitrary AMA. We got a whole flush of new questions on our on our uh, uh, Tremium, Casey. Oh, that's what I'm talking about. And if you want to ask us a question about trees to hear on the podcast, join up on arbitrarypod.supercast.com. What are you joining? Completely arbitrary Tremium, our brand new support platform. That's right. If you want to support this show and get awesome rewards in return, it's kind of like supporting uh, NPR, but instead of a huge organization uh, at a national level, you're supporting Casey and I, and that's literally it. A multinational conglomeration. (laughs) Yeah, in our minds. Uh, Casey, this week, our question comes from Olivia. 
Hi, Olivia. Hello, Olivia. The subject of the question is Alex book recommendations. Hmm. And Casey, I'm going to modify this question. I'll read it. I'll read it as is first. And I'm going to have a little fun with it. In one of the recent okay. pods I listened to, Alex mentioned his love for reading. I know we have a great list of Casey book recommendations, but would also love some book recommendations from Alex. Oh. Now, thank you so much, Olivia. We really appreciate it. Now, Casey, you read a lot. You read, I, from what I know, you read mostly uh, books about trees or nature, um, educational, yeah. research-based kind of mm-hmm. nonfiction, mm-hmm. right? I think that's a, I think those are all fair uh, statements, yes. Okay. I also read a fair amount. I am more into fantasy fiction, science mm-hmm. fiction. Uh, a memoir here and there of like a you know a musician that I really like. Um, so Casey, I'm gonna I'm gonna give a couple of my book recommendations. Yeah, and I want to hear a couple of your non science based book recommendations. Oh boy. Okay. It, well, I'm glad if, that you uh, <laughs> glad we're doing this from the safety of our own houses right now. That's right, because Casey, you are sitting right next to your bookshelf, as am mm-hmm. I next to mine. Okay. Um, okay. So all right. Uh, I'll start to give you a moment, Casey, and I'm going to give, I say we give like Thank two you. each. That feels like a good amount here. All right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Can we do two each and then an honorable mention? Sure. Yes. Uh, okay. So my first one, the book that I will recommend to everybody all the time a- anywhere is Circe by Madeline Miller. Uh, yes. About House Lannister. Casey, that's another recommendation. But uh, Circe by Madeline Miller is a retelling of the Greek myth of uh, Circe. Um, But it's told from Circe's perspective. And it is one of the most touching, heartbreaking, beautiful novels I've ever read. I finished it and wept hard. Wow. And then immediately turned to page one and started it again at, at like what? two in the morning. I could not put it down. It was oh my God. It is just a beautiful, beautiful book. Um, yeah, I, it sounds amazing. I at one point recommended it to somebody and they thought it was just okay. And mm. I was like kind of stricken. I kind of, I don't talk to me. I, yeah. I couldn't get over it. I was um, stricken. <laughs> so that is my first and and highest recommendation is Circe by Madeline okay. Miller. Wow. All right, that's a um, that's a that's a good place to start. Yeah, Case, let's go to you. What is your first fiction? <laughs> All right, let's go out to Casey in the field. Uh, Casey, <laughs> how you doing out there? What's going on? Scrambling with a, an armful of books, uh, um, <laughs> trying just not to drop them in the snow and ice. What do you think, Case? Mm. Well, this is hard. Because I do, um, I do not have a whole lot of books that I have read casually. Wow! Um, and I'm looking, I'm looking deep. I mean, I read a lot of books casually. Don't get me wrong. Um, but most of the time, like you're, yeah, you're right. I just read um, uncasual books. You know, here's one that has nothing to do with trees. It's not necessarily not fiction. That's okay. Okay. <clears throat> I think uh, it's it's in the realm of uh, of nonfiction about things that I'm interested in. I am not a uh, a religious person in a mm-hmm. the traditional sense, but I am very curious about it as like a social phenomenon. Sure, yeah. 
And I read a uh, I read a book that I heard on an NPR interview called The Zealot um, by Reza Aslan, and it's uh, it's essentially um, uh, the life and times of Jesus of Nazareth. Wow. And all these things are very specifically noted uh, because he's not writing about the biblical Jesus. He's writing as best as anyone can, and he is a uh, theologian, or actually I don't even know if he's a theologian. He's a scholar of religion. And he has essentially written a book that is the life and times of this guy that existed and what it was like in in where he was. So we now know him as Jesus Christ. This is before that. This is Jesus the carpenter, so to speak. Mm. You know what I mean? What What was the and name of the, the author of this one? Reza Aslan. R e z a a s l a n. I believe something like that. Ah, okay. Yeah. So it's oh, just I know really- Reza Aslan. Yeah, he's written another book called uh, God and Natural History, which mm-hmm. um, if that was in front of me, I probably would say, I would probably say that is the one, uh, another favorite, because that's a history of uh, of gods, of religion, and kind of a larger sense. That's very cool. fascinating. So very those cool. Are, uh, I'll, I'll say the zealot right off the bat, because that's, I think, one of my favorite ones, because it was just very, very interesting in that very specific regard. Ah, that looks really interesting, Case. I might add that yeah. to my ever ever lengthening list. All right, there you go. Uh, I've All got right, what's one. Your, what's your second? Yeah, so my uh, this is just a recent one that kind of blew me away. Uh-huh. Um, Between two fires. Between uh, two fires. Mm-hmm. This is okay. by Christopher Buhlman. B u e h l m a n. Okay. Uh, it is a horror novel. Oh God! Horror. I'll call it horror fantasy set in uh, the the 1340s in France during the Black Plague. Yeah, I was like, I know that time. That's a horrible time. <laughs> yes, uh, and it's about this kind of disgraced knight uh, who is kind of put in this um, put in this tough position to escort this young this young girl across the, the country. Um, uh-huh. and all the while it's sort of like the wizard of Oz. If the wizard mm-hmm. of Oz was, you know, um, about the black plague and had a bunch <laughs> of like, had a bunch of like <laughs> demonic creatures in it and stuff. Okay. Um, yeah. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. I thought it, I thought it might be kind of like, uh, corny or like, hmm, how should I put that? I thought it might be a little too fantastical. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. The great thing about it is that it, it tells a very fantastical story in a very grounded way. He makes all these things sound very uh, realistic and it mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. terrifying. It is legitimately scary. Oof, um, yeah, that I don't, I that makes me uncomfortable to think about. It's it's given me it, it gave me goosebumps. It made me shudder. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, wow. I thought okay. it was uh, I thought it was great. Well, that's very good to know. Okay, this yeah. is a that's a yeah. I, I now I want to read these two books. I just have to like peel myself peel myself away from all these not nonfiction books that I have. It's it's tough for you because uh, reading about trees is your hobby and and your career. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's it's so convenient, obviously, but sure. Yeah. Um 
Yeah, there you go. Thank you so much, Olivia. Yeah, great question. Um, Casey. Alex Grosen. We that has been it. our that has been our uh, our our first remote record, our weather influenced um, record. Let's mm-hmm. get one last check on the weather before we throw it to uh, the uh, our tag here, Casey. I see yeah. that it is snowing. Well, Alex, I hate I hate this about our modern world. The fact that you just said it's snowing because you looked at your computer uh-huh. rather than looking out your window to see that uh-huh. it is demonstrably not snowing. <laughs> Why can't you be with me on this? I I'm just... trying to justify this weird record. <laughs> no, it's actively no, it's freezing rain outside. Like yes. ice is actively covering everything. So, so that that at least is Yeah, you're in the you're in the realm. Casey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I'm sorry that I didn't look outside um, to look at the weather. Oh, um, you don't have to apologize. <laughs> but at the very least, we got to stay home as we chatted, and we got a new experience, right? That's true. This is going to be a whole new thing. I'm, uh, I'm hoping it's going to turn out great. I think it, I think it's going to be fine. Yeah, me too. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Completely Arbitrary. Hey, we'll see you next time. Goodbye. We'll see you then. Au revoir.